Welcome to Crazy Enough to Win. I'm your host, John Grubbs. Welcome to the podcast. So today we're going to talk about affliction. We're going to talk about a disease that may be impacting your organization and you don't even realize it's happening. And this disease shows up in ways that, well, I think you might find extremely revealing in today's episode. Now, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, do so so that you get a gentle bump every time I drop a new episode. So today I have discovered some powerful reasons why managers and supervisors seek mediocrity rather than excellence for the organizations they serve. Surprisingly, the challenge for greatness is often not more difficult to achieve. It simply requires a different mindset when presented with a problem. You can choose how you address problems within your organization and certainly on your team. Now, our values that we hold dear as leaders present to the organization in a way that, well, are less common, meaning that our leadership and the values we offer the organization are less in the day-to-day activities and much more evident to our subordinates when we reach an obstacle, meaning our values become more visible when we have a problem to address. It's not it's not really easy to see our values until we encounter something challenging. In other words, the followers watch our response to these difficulties and then decide how to behave if they confront a similar situation. Yes, we are modeling behavior during times of difficulty much more so than we realize. And even more revealing about human nature is that we can say and aspire for one thing and do something very different under stress. Most of us have experienced the regretful moment when we became like our parents in certain difficult situations. Oh, yes. And why do we think one way and behave in a completely different manner? I have watched thousands of people in my classes say the right things and then hear of the crushing idiocy in their actions before or after our meeting. And the big question is, how can these seemingly intelligent and capable leaders act so horribly? They seem smart and talented in my classroom. What changes after they leave the protection of the training environment? Hmm. I think you can relate to the idea that stress changes the very human being that we are. And life is like playing competitive sports. We seldom get a do-over in real life. It is impossible to unsay that horrible thing or undo the lost temper in a given situation. In training, it's different. The learning environment is like practice. I call it practice for grown-ups. 
the consequence of being wrong has little to no impact on the person directly. Missing a ball in a batting cage is different from being in the batter's box when the game is on the line. We know another ball is coming, and the practice situation, well, it allows us to try again and again. We are more comfortable making mistakes we can correct. And this is what I wholesale believe, that training and development give people the muscle memory to make better decisions when a challenge gets presented. So here's back back to the big question. Why do we seek mediocrity instead, instead of excellence in a moment of crisis? Why do we seek normal instead of excellence when we encounter stress? The normalcy bias explains a great deal about how we respond in those challenging situations. What is the normalcy bias? Well, it refers to people's extreme mental state when facing a tricky problem. It causes people to underestimate both the possibility of a challenge occurring and its possible effects. It also results in the inability of people to cope with a problem once it occurs. People with a normalcy bias have difficulties reacting to something they have not experienced before, and they tend to interpret warnings in the most optimistic way possible, seizing on ambiguities to infer a less serious situation. So what does this mean in business? In business terms, the normalcy bias causes leaders to seek what is comfortable rather than excellence. Managers prefer comfort, no matter how mediocre, in a challenging environment over the change needed to prevent failure. And this is so amazing. Executives may even lose their job or steer the organization into failure rather than making the necessary changes to be successful. Struggling managers are predisposed to choose mediocrity rather than excellence. And while understanding why they behave that way doesn't make us feel any better, we can certainly learn to predict the response. And the proper situational training can limit the impact of the normalcy bias by placing leaders in challenging situations and then reflecting on their actual responses. The more this gets practiced, the more likely the leader will make the best decision in a challenging case. Remember, stressful situations are what need to get practiced. The application of knowledge under pressure is the key to organizational excellence. And I firmly believe that artificial stress in the classroom is the fastest way to prepare managers for stressful situations at work. I mean, we default to training or past practice. Practicing disagreement is essential to avoid routine passive-aggressive behaviors coming in business. Oh yeah, there's a lot of passive-aggressive behaviors in business today. And mental sparring with others can create the muscle memory we need to stop being so agreeable when we disagree. You know, it's much more kind to disagree than it is to hide the truth, to hide your true response.
And in her book, Atlas of the Heart, Brene Brown discusses the near enemy of desired behavior. She contends that the far enemy of desired behavior is usually apparent. In a stressful encounter with an employee, a supervisor may not attack them physically. However, the supervisor may say something that humiliates the employee to prove a point. The far enemy is physical action. The near enemy is hurtful sarcasm in the form of humor. She contends that this behavior is subtle and based on emotions. The supervisor may feel embarrassed and justify the need for adverse action towards her employee. This is what I mean by being kind. Clear is kind. Unclear is unkind. When we're clear with people, we are kind to them. When we're unclear with people, we are unkind with them. And defaulting to what is easy is the mediocrity I am talking about in this episode. Rationalizing mediocrity is a problem too many organizations are facing today. The need to train supervisors is an expense that gets avoided amid the great resignation. They're afraid to train their supervisors because the supervisors may leave. Well, what's worse, not training them and keeping them? Folks, organizations are at war to find talent, yet most do almost nothing to keep the good people from leaving. And doing more of the same and expecting different outcomes is the definition of insanity. I believe this with every fiber of my being. The frontline supervisor is the battle line in the war for talent. She is the reason people quit and why people stay with your company. The paradox of losing employees while avoiding the cause of many resignations is prevalent. It's common. And status quo bias is also commonplace in business. According to Cynthia Vinny, Status quo bias refers to preferring that one's environment and situation remain as they already are. (laughs) The phenomenon is most impactful in decision making. We like the more familiar choice over the less obvious but potentially more beneficial options when we make decisions. And the term was first introduced in 1988 by Samuelson and Zachhauser, who demonstrated status quo bias through decision-making experiments. And while irritational upon examination, it irritates us. Status quo bias is common in practice. It is the near enemy of mediocrity. And it can be explained by the famous saying, If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I contend that things need to get broken to improve. Your organization's current mental schemas must get challenged to avoid the trap of mediocrity. For example, you have an antiquated enterprise resource planning system, an ERP, for those of you who know. And you've convinced yourself that it's good enough. It's fine. And you avoid addressing the benefits of something newer and better that may provide more utility 
while saving you time and money. You just stick with what you know rather than trying something new. Does this hit close to home? Mediocrity is a disease in many companies, and I do not blame the afflicted for their illness. However, I do have concern for executives who know the affliction exists, yet cannot or will not take action to get better. I understand the hesitation, yet feel helpless regarding the many organizations suffering from mediocrity while being so close to something better. The true cause, the cure to affliction, the way to get better, the way to improve, the cure to this affliction is deliberate change. Challenge every position, challenge every person, challenge every system, challenge every idea for the hint of mediocrity. Take ownership of change for the sake of change because it's the only way to improve. That's right. I said change for the sake of change. Change is like a muscle. We must flex it over and over and over to get stronger, to get better at change. The 2020 pandemic destroyed my business for months. Yet I found new opportunities to improve during the subsequent rebuilding process. I admit, those improvements would have never happened without the coronavirus outbreak. What appeared to be a black swan event for my business was in retrospect a true white swan event. My business was fragile after 18 years of doing the same thing. I could not see the changes that I needed to make in my business because of the biases that I'm talking about. So I'm not just talking about you. I'm talking about this from my own experience. I had to burn my business to the ground through the pandemic in order for it to rise again. You have to burn in order for the phoenix to rise. If you have not created significant change in your business, I guarantee you that it is weak. And I encourage you to start breaking some things in your company. Change is something that we have to get better at, that we have to practice, that we have to endure in order to make it a part of how we operate. And I challenge leaders, I challenge companies to look at what they currently do through the lens of what I call the best plausible alternative analysis. I call it a PBA analysis. What is the best plausible alternative to everything that you're doing in your business? To look at it and say, okay, we do it this way. But if we didn't do it this way, what is another way of doing it? And is the other way potentially better? We don't force ourselves to look at our own lives, our own businesses, our own opportunities through the lens of a best plausible alternative. And here's what's so ironic. If any of us were to start over, it is highly unlikely that we would rebuild our business the same way that it is currently. Yet we cannot find the strength or the confidence 
or the bravery to try new things within our business. If someone else built a business just like yours, it is highly unlikely that the way they set it up, the systems, the processes would be identical to the way that you're doing things right now. And you have to ask yourself, what if their way is better? What if their way is more profitable? What if their way is less less costly? What, what if their way is just a different and more effective way to run your business? It is why I tell CEOs that I'm coaching, I said, you are just one hire away from an amazing opportunity in your business. The right hire may change how you do things significantly. I mean, one good hire is better than 10 average hires. And one great hire is more valuable than a hundred average hires. Let that soak in a minute. Are you surrounding yourself with people who can make you change the way you do things, who can challenge your status quo, who can challenge your biases to look at your business a different way? Never stop asking, what if? What if we tried this? What if we tried that? What if we did it this way? What if we did it that way? It's this, I guess, affinity towards change that makes your company or your business greater than it currently is. So this podcast is designed for people who are crazy enough to challenge the status quo, to go against the grain. And you can go to www.johngrubbs.com. That is www.johngrubbs.com. And if you go there, my website, I give away free things in the form of videos, in the form of uh, podcasts, in the form of, well, different blogs that I've written. But here's the thing. If you'll go there right now, www.johngrubbs.com, you can download a free copy of one of my books. People say, why do you give a book away, John? Why do you give it away? I mean, it sells for $20 on Amazon. But I'm giving it away to you today because you are giving me the most precious gift one human can give another, and that is your time. And for giving me that time, I will give you that book. It is my gift to you. Now, I want you to share this podcast on all your platforms. Maybe there are other people suffering from these same symptoms. Maybe there are people that need to change but don't have the confidence or the bravery to make that change. Maybe this video, maybe this podcast will be the one thing that pushes them into the, well, into the change that they're needing in their organization or maybe even in their personal lives. This podcast is for people who deliberately do things differently. This podcast is for people who are willing and able to break some things in order to rebuild them in a better format. This podcast is for people who are deliberately crazy when it comes to how they operate their lives, their businesses, and everything around them. This podcast is for people crazy enough to win. Until next time.